0: Broadcasting live on AM 950, the Progressive Voice of Minnesota, and in the evenings on WCPTA 20 Chicago's Progressive Talk, it is the Matt McNeil Show on your Monday. Jeff Stein coming in here about 30 minutes to join us and talk on what is a, at least up here in Minneapolis-St. Paul, an unbelievably hot January 31st day. I'm wearing shorts and sandals today uh yeah it's odd uh brett speaking of odd Bretzer, uh, our producer hi brett how are we
1: today thanks for that very kind intro yeah it's <laughs> very warm out today as you and i were talking i i thought about biking here but yeah that thing's not in shape right now because lo and behold you're not expecting to bike on january 31st <laughs> not
0: at all not in the least bit. um can i i, I want to start off with matt's public service announcement for the day all right uh hey gym guy uh, change your shirt in either the bathroom or the locker room. Okay, I think we're done here. I mean, I could go with the put shoes on too, Fred Flintstone. I don't know what you're trying to do here in the gym. I mean, get a foot broken open, you know broken in a half by a thirty five pound weight or something. but you know i'll I'll just I'll skip past that one because I've already ragged on people for doing that. I understand you think the relatively elderly population of the YMCAs, weight training area is going to be turned on when they you pull off your shirt and change it right in front of everybody else. Ooh ah uh, yeah. No, no one cares. No one cares. You just look gross, dude. Just go to the bathroom, go to the locker room. Don't do that. Gonna change your pants too? <laughs> Drop trout. Just getting comfy. Are you? Are you there?
1: The best part is when you put the shirts on before the pants, so then you just have... Yeah, but <laughs> when, when are the, the, when the are the pooing gi- it, yeah, yeah, yeah. there you go. <laughs> ah. The order of operations when it comes to getting dressed at the gym. It's important, uh, yeah.
0: Go to a lock. Go to a bathroom. You don't want to go to the locker room? Fine. Fine. 9529466205. Uh, 952-946-6205 is the phone number. So I, I want to start off with something. It's, it's a story that it, it starts in Minnesota, but it is something that applies pretty much everywhere. And it has to do with the a, a hospital um, in the town of Foston, Minnesota. And the... Yeah, it, it, You know, this is, you know, as you can imagine, if you are in the Chicago metro area, obviously you you have a, a, a fantastic medical complex there. Pretty much everything is available. You can get any procedure done you need to get done. You're good to be good there. Same thing goes for most larger metro areas in Illinois or Minnesota, Minneapolis-St. Paul, obviously. Rochester, you know, kind of the premier medical uh, destination in the entire United States. Minneapolis-St. Paul's got exceptional hospitals. Duluth has got pretty good hospitals and stuff like this. But if you get into rural America... One of the great failures of Republicans is to stop this tem- the stem, the tide of of these rural hospitals closing. Or now the new thing is they just don't offer certain services. And it is it it's it's something which is um, it, it's really starting to hurt in small town America. And yet, once again, Republicans have known this problem exists for many, many years and they're not doing anything. Um, from the story on this, let me read this a little bit here. City leaders in Faustin are prepared to take back control of their hospital if Essential Health does uh, follows through on its plan to permanently end scheduled baby deliveries. Uh, Mayor Jim Offendahl said the loss of the baby deliveries would be profound on an isolated community in the northern border of the White Earth Reservation. But it has a deeper concerns. The shutdowns of labor and delivery units in small hospitals across Minnesota has led to erosion of other medical services. And Faust and Essentia uh, recently stopped providing dermatology and started ending, uh, or sending rather, uh, blood samples out of town for blood sugar tests, delaying results, Offendahl said. Uh, maybe some of these large healthcare organizations will pay attention and maybe rethink what they're doing, he said. The dispute has been simmering since June of 2022 when Duluth-based Essentia announced it was suspending baby deliveries in Faustin hospital due to a lack of doctors and nurses with training and experience in obstetrics. Uh, Essentia considered the move temporary at the time. The community of 1,400 people between Crookston and Bemidji, Minnesota, in the northwestern part of the state, responded with a We Are Faustin t-shirt and events to try to make their community enticing to new doctors and nurses but the health system eventually decided to make the move permanent and filed a required notice uh, of the change earlier this year with the state of Minnesota. I will also mention uh, there was a, a photo with this, and I'm going to just read this caption from the photo, and I'll come back to this here. Uh, Evan Fonder and his wife helped lead the "We Are Foston" campaign to try to recruit doctors and nurses with obstetrics training to the local hospital to prevent the permanent closure. Of its labor and delivery unit there's also a story out on axios today that talks about rural hospitals and over half of them in uh, over half of them in the country in the united states overall 55 percent of rural hospitals over half do not offer labor and delivery services for pregnant women wow yeah that's that's kind of scary now some places are better than others utah seems to have a pretty good deal But Florida, 80 percent, over 80 percent of the rural hospitals in Florida, 80 percent do not offer maternity services for labor and delivery. Illinois uh, is falling in between the 60 and 80 percent category. Minnesota falls between the 40 and 60 percent. Needless to say, though, this is a trend. And as you can imagine, if you look at the map here on Axios, and I'll post this picture, this article a little bit later on this afternoon, Uh, for you to peruse at your leisure. Uh, As you can imagine, there is, um, yeah, a little bit of a problem here. Now, we have to understand what the problem is. Now, I would say, clearly, the corporate medical structure is Partly to blame it, but actually let me, let me back up a little bit. Let me go back in time just a little bit here. Uh, and when I mean, go back in time, I actually do mean go back in time. Have you ever been to a small town? I mean, like a really small town that might like be a county seat in a very rural area, you know, 2000, 3000 people. Have you ever been to one of those towns? If you have, one of the things you will notice is you'll go through and there is generally in this town, two gorgeous brick homes. I mean, stunning. 1880s, 1890s, beautiful, opulent, just gorgeous buildings. And I, I'd seen them, and, I mean, you know, it's easy to fall in love with them. They're actually quite pretty. And depending on where you're at, I know that sometimes you get down by the rivers over on maybe the western side of Illinois or down the southeastern side of Minnesota, you can get these gorgeous yellow bricks, and they're just really ornate, and it's really well done. Well, I did a, one time when I was living um, in uh, rural America, I basically in Iowa, I had a, a history tour and the guy said, well, if you look in towns, generally there's one or two of these built houses that were built and they were literally built by the town to get a doctor and a teacher to move out there because you couldn't get doctors and teachers to move out to the middle of nowhere, Iowa, unless you gave them. What would, I mean, seriously, think about one of the wealthiest neighborhoods in your community. It's that kind of a house. I mean, it's gorgeous. And many of them today are still just stunning houses. It's always been a problem to recruit people to go into rural communities. You don't have what you used to have where, Mom, Pa, I'm going to go to the local university and I'm going to become a doctor. And I'm going to come back here and I'm going to, for a chicken, I'll I'll give you a baby. You know, that sort of thing. <laughs> that sounds actually far more nefarious than I meant it to sound. But you get the point. You get the idea there. Um, But that doesn't happen. What you have is you have people, and, and some of them are from rural America, some of them are not, that basically will go through medical school and... Considering the cost of medical school, a lot of them want to go where the better pay is. And generally the better pay is in larger metro areas. Now, it doesn't mean there aren't some people that don't want to go out into small communities. You can, no matter what your career field is, you can make your dollars you know, stretch in these communities. Absolutely. And some people do love that. They don't want to live in a city and, and more power to you, more power to you. But you clearly have got a problem of recruiting. So what is going on then? I mean, if, if, you know, if you're saying to yourself, okay, it's a good quality of life, um, you know, we've got a, you know, you can make your, your dollar stretch a lot further here, you get quality peace, you know, a nice community. So then what is the problem? And it's something I have pointed out multiple times in the past. And that is a question every one of your small towns needs to ask are you nice? Are you nice? Because that's actually a legit question. Are you nice? Now I asked this question about a year, year and a half ago when one of the local uh, you know in in Minnesota here one of the school districts in rural part of the state was having difficulty finding teachers and the same school district had fervent extremist far-right parents screaming in teachers' faces, calling them groomers and pedophiles, trying to basically, how dare you try to indoctrinate a, you can't teach anything unless I approve it, that sort of stuff. Basically saying, we will run you out of town. And here it was, not a year after that, here they were basically, why doesn't anybody want to teach here? Really? This is a mystery to you? You're jerks. How about that? You're jackasses. You're not nice. That's why people don't want to be there. Why would I go there if I'm going to have to basically spend my time You know, defending every action from some zealot who basically, because Fox News or OAN or Newsmax told them they need to be furious about this, is pounding on my door at every given time of the day, demanding, why did you talk about Roy G. Biv? That's a rainbow. That's the gay agenda. You know, that sort of thing. I have zero doubt, by the way, that conversation has happened multiple times in this country in rural schools. Uh, Anita Gall is one of my favorite human beings. Uh, she is a a great Democrat that's run out in these beat red districts in rural Minnesota, and she talked about the fact that it was hard. She's she's a she's a country girl. She has talked about how hard it is for her to just go in a parade and be sworn at by people she knows in the parade. You guys aren't nice. And frankly, I don't think this should be too much of a surprise. I mean, my God, it's the same communities that thought rolling coal was great, where they basically did this extreme exhaust into bicyclist faces because they thought, funny <laughs> You're not very welcoming. Now, I'll talk more about this when I do come on back. 952-946-6205-952-946-6205. 952-946-6205. It's the Matt McNeil Show. Let me tell you. Yeah. You're my little boo thing. So I'll give a hoot what you do. Say, girl, I know you're a little too tight. It is the Matt I'm McNeil Show on your Wednesday. Stein here in about oh, about 12 minutes or so. So, you know, um, okay. So I'm talking about th- this problem. And undeniably, the consolidation of the medical industry in rural America has been a problem. That is playing just greed uh, by the medical industry, but I want to make sure I point out the Republicans have been watching this happen for decades and have done nothing, nothing to stop this because they get big checks from those medical industry people. So the the problem is what you're having here. And this is the problem. Basically it boils down to this. You can't get the obstetrics people at this hospital in Faustin, Minnesota, to be there. You can't get them there. You can't recruit them to come there. Why not? And once again, quality of life, generally in small towns, I've lived in small towns many times in my life. There is definitely a lot of appeal that lives out there. You can basically, you know, like I said, your dollar stretches a lot further in a smaller town. Generally pizza is not that good, but you know, (laughs) I hope you like your vegetables, deep fried, served with ranch, dip, and sauce. But that being said, there is a quaintness to it. There's an enjoyment that you can have to that out there. So what's the problem? Well, it's, I think it's a lot of this. They need to look in the freaking mirror because you guys are jerks out there to people. It's just manifested itself into this nth degree. Now, part of this is the national mentality of conservatives, especially now with their whole, we're going to prevent any kind of abortion, even in the life of the mother, rape or incest, and we're proudly going to do it. And we're going to hunt these doctors down and throw them in jail. And that is that is something that's actually there are consequences that are that going on. You go around the country into these red states. I know Idaho's having a hell of a time getting people. Uh, to work in the maternity wards, obstetric wards, because they don't want to be held accountable, and 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 you got you know places across the south where they cannot, they they're actually having people leave. They're trying to offer bonuses and all these things, but the problem is, is they say, yeah, well, let me let me put this: one. this Faustin story actually broke a few days ago, so I got in touch with three friends of mine who I spoke with off the record in regards to this who two of them are obstetrics doctors and one is an obstetrics nurse and they're friends of mine. And I sent them a message and they got back to me. And I said, would you ever consider moving to this town? And, and if you know, whatever the answer is yes or no, why would what is the justification for your answer? All three of them, not a chance. And as one explained, she said, I, I mean, Minnesota is a state where we've actually enshrined abortion rights into the state constitution. It is, you know, kind of decided in the state of Minnesota that women's rights matter in Minnesota. By the way, you're looking for a place to come. Minnesota's open. You're more than welcome. Get on in here. You know, the water, especially in the summertime, is particularly fine. That being said, you know, and I know Illinois as well is, is a fairly progressive state. So they've got the same thing there. Indiana, what the hell are you doing in Indiana? Get over to Illinois. You should be over there. That being said, her point was, she goes, I don't want to have to worry about my car being vandalized because I had to give an emergency abortion to someone to save their life. And she says, I can't, I mean, I know it's legal here in Minnesota doing what I do, but there are just people out there. Who, who, who are intent on basically scaring and intimidating people away from this. And I thought that was actually an incredibly a valid point is that why would I go someplace and try to work there if by in the course of doing my job that basically I could be in some of these states, you get arrested, you get thrown in jail, it's going to be an extended period of time, you're not going to be out for a while. Um, you know, in other states, it's, it's, you know, you you might have legal, you know, it might be legal, but you get into these red districts and it's, you know, it's a very different world out there. I mean, God, it's a very different world. Just look at how they hold, you know, if you're a wealthy white person in rural Minnesota uh, or rural Illinois and you commit a crime, you are treated very differently than, than, say, a minority that commits a crime, a lesser crime in that same area. Let's just put it that way. It is, you know, that that's just kind of the way that it is. You've you've you're poisoning the water hole. And so don't be upset when the horses don't want to drink there. And I mean, I'm not necessarily going to stand up for essentia health. I think they're actually better than a lot of them, I'm going to be honest with you. But it's not Essentia's problem if they can't convince a doctor. To move up there and become an obstetrics doctor or an obstetrics nurse. It's not their problem. It's your problem. And I don't think you necessarily need, well, maybe you do, maybe you do need to go build them a, a brand new house and entice them up there with that. I know in some of these Southern states, it's, it's interesting. And there are stories coming out of these Southern states where the, the obstetrics people are leaving and leaving in droves, and to try to stop this, Republican politicians off the record have gone to hospital staff and doctors and said, hey, don't worry, we're not going to prosecute you for this. But the problem is, is as they're telling them, you don't have to leave, you're not going to get prosecuted. There's a Republican out on the street with a megaphone screaming, we're going to hunt
1: every one of you
0: down. So, you know, you're, you, you've got to basically create a, a reason. It's not that people can't appreciate a quality of life. And the reality is back in the days, in the 1880s, 1890s, it it took, you know, seven days to get out to these small towns. You get on a road, you can be in, in a major metro area, generally within three to five hours. But, but people don't want to go there because the people are not, you guys look and sit there and say, we're tolerant. It's the quality of life. We're good people. And I've got bad news for you. You're not. It's not all of you, but it's the ones that the politics is the only thing that matters to you that are ruining the town and ruining the community. And the way you fix that is basically not vilifying anyone who dares disagree with you or not disagrees with you, vilify anyone who you've been told to vilify. Because let's face it, all these people just get their marching orders from these far-right zealots who basically say, you need to go there and scare those teachers into doing what you want them to do. Well, in the metro area, you try that stuff. I guarantee you, a cop's going to be dragging you out of the school in, in chains. But if you do that in rural communities, like, oh, we, I don't want to necessarily tell her she has to go. Let's just say we have a right to agree to disagree, and I might agree with her a little bit on some of this stuff, and and so that's where the problem is. You can't get a lot. I, I, this is a major problem, and it it's easy to sort of sit there and just say, "Oh well, the medical industry is to blame." I'm not denying that the medical industry has had these problems, but the larger issue, the the much larger issue, is you guys are just not nice anymore. You're bitter and angry. You yell at people. You threaten people. And you can sit there and say, well, we're not going to do that to you right now. How long until after that obstetrics doctor comes into town before all of a sudden is like, doctor, uh, I heard that there was an abortion over there. Uh, You know, I, I didn't realize you were one of those liberals. Maybe you should think about going. That's it. Or like I said, get building. Maybe you need to build some houses. Because I think you might need to be doing that. Uh, we'll take a break. Come on back. Jeff's Stein when we return. It's the Matt McNeil Show.
1: Jeff, Jeff. Jeff. Jeff, Jeff, Jeff.
0: Broadcasting in the evening on WCPT 820 Chicago's Progressive Talk and on AM 950, the Progressive Voice of Minnesota, the Matt McNeil Show. Jeff Stein's our national and presidential expert. He is a noted author. You can find his books at your favorite local publishing establishment, wherever you like. And of course, totallyiowa.com. He also provides us with the Iowa Business Report and the Iowa Politics Report, which come to us from his mothership, KXEL, Cedar Falls, Waterloo. Hi, Jeff. How are we today?
2: Well, this is where I collect my uh, regular paycheck and have uh, really poor insurance benefits. So, yes, that's where it is. Right Iowa. paycheck. S- sell it. paycheck and poor benefits. Well, that that's that's just the company. That, <laughs> oh, nothing
0: to well, nothing uh, it Well, kind of does actually. It's a, <laughs> it it's,
2: a, it's a multi-state company, and uh, oh,
0: I would like to read the list of that multi-states because I bet I can find a theme. Anyway. <laughs>
2: <laughs> Wisconsin, Illinois, Iowa, Nebraska.
0: Well, okay, Illinois probably the outlier there, but, you know, one of these <laughs> things is not like the others. All right, I got to bring up something here that is starting to be a little concerning.
3: Okay. So,
0: let's go to the border. And mm-hmm. you have Texas who is basically saying that the federal government doesn't have any right to regulate the federal border. As they see fit, which is illegal. It's actually, it's well established. The federal government is on certain things, supersedes states and all that stuff. That's actually been established. They had a Supreme Court ruling, which was a stunner that was 5-4. It should have been 9-0 because it's pretty cut and dry law, but it tells you how much ideology has been put on the SCOTUS at this point. That basically that the, the Texas can't do this, but... You have Texas, you have the governor of Oklahoma, you have the governor of South Dakota, all putting out language, which at the end of the day, basically boils down to this. If need be, you need to start opening the Texas forces, the South Dakota forces, the Oklahoma forces need to start opening fire on whatever you know, is trying to stop them because their rights supersede anything else. And I know that they're not saying that directly, but they're saying we need to stop them at all costs. Well, then where is that going to end? And at this point, I think we are looking at a situation where inevitably some idiot from Texas or Oklahoma or South Dakota is going to start firing rounds into Mexico and create an international incident or we could end up having more people drowned that could be saved out of the Rio Grande River. Um, at the very least, I, I'm just I'm concerned because is this if they know they can't win the election in 2024, is this where they're really going? Is this really we need a civil war, another civil war to straighten this all out?
2: Who wouldn't win the election in 2024?
0: Well, if they feel as if Trump is not going to win. If Trump is not going to let's let's be honest and let's be honest in 2024, Mm -hmm. if Joe Biden wins fair and square, which is very legit. I mean, it's like you see a third of his Republicans basically say they're not going to vote for him if he's convicted of a crime. If a third of Republicans don't show up, he's not going to win. And Joe Biden wins does, I mean, is any Trump supporter going to think that's legitimate? Of course not. They've already been told it's illegitimate. They're already told that it's not going to be, it's not going to matter. And they're already going to be looking for, well, if they're not going to allow my great orange God back into the White House, then basically maybe it's time to start opening fire on people.
2: No, I think that's overstated, Uh, right down to the part where if they get a sense their guy isn't going to win, they're confident their guy is going to win and they will be confident until after the general election. You know, so there's not going to be a point uh, in September where all of a sudden there's a distinction. Now, the legal argument is you've got a, a balance between states' rights and the role of the federal government. The role of the federal government is to protect the sovereignty of the country from external forces. What they're claiming is that if the government, the federal government, does not do that, then they have the right estates to exert a certain amount of authority. All well and good on paper, but what happens if the president nationalizes the national guard in Texas? Well, what and, if and the and there- president nationalizes the South Dakota national guard on duty in Texas. That's the next logical step, well, is it
0: not? And, and that's the big thing. And right now you've gotten Noam and you've gotten, I don't remember who the guy is at Oklahoma, Stitt. Stitt, Stitt. is, it? Stitt. Stitt. is, is, is mm-hmm. the governor of Oklahoma. You've got mm-hmm. the guy, and got uh, Abbott down in Texas who are basically saying the Biden better not do that. Well, but he can, and he can do that at any sure. point he wants to.
2: And this, but he could also tighten up the border with executive orders.
0: Well, but at the same time, you, you, this is the question here is this. Mm -hmm. Does Texas have the right if they don't agree with the president of the United States who is duly elected to run the country by a majority of the people and they disagree Mm -hmm. with this, can he at any point just say state's rights and go do this and, and go and basically say, we're going to kick the federal government out, the U S army has to go, we're going to put our troops there. And it's going to be some sort of libertarian fantasy world where Uh, we get to decide, what? what
2: here's what they'll do. Okay. Go draw a line and say this is the federal border, okay? Mm-hmm. How far into Texas, the state of Texas, does the federal jurisdiction lie?
0: Actually, if I remember correctly, because there was this whole big thing about the wall under Trump, I think it's 100 yards that basically the federal government doesn't necessarily – encroaching on that but has the right to go 100 yards away from the border and that and basically it, I don't want to say imminent domain it but you know basically it's part of the deal if you live down there you know that there's that element it's, there it's
2: it's like an easement yeah. why you have yes. to have a sidewalk in your front yard yes. okay so so that's my point the federal government let's just say they have 100 yards whatever it is so at 100 yards and 2 inches go put up your razor wire because that's what, I mean, that's not in, in uh, controversy at all. So go ahead and do that. I mean, that's where this is now headed, is it not? Because that's no. the, the next logical thing. And, and the broad point is, if that happens, what's the point of that kind of game of chicken? How does that help us control the issue of crime, of drugs, of humanitarian concern, Of safety how does that help us get toward the ultimate issue and the answer is it doesn't because a bunch of folks fired up on election year testosterone on all sides decide this is going to be the issue well and 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 it's it's silly and it's dangerous
0: your point is valid is like where are they going here and because it doesn't make a lot of sense I mean and, and when you get to the point where people are drowning in the river and the mentality is we don't care And
2: uh, well, that's what I I, say. Then take your crap out of the river and 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 let them come on to U.S. soil, and then say to the federal government, We have razor wire here. This is your problem. Yes. And see how far that goes. Well, that seems to be an eminently smarter play, but intelligence, other than during this conversation once a week, has left the room.
0: Oh, I think we're skipping down the street, too. Uh, uh, We're leading the
2: crazy parade.
0: Yes. (laughs) But okay, the problem here is this is we cannot deny it. It's not a majority. It is not. But there is this element of the Republican Party who is, well, if we can't get our way, it's time for a civil war. And sure, you get idiots like that Marjorie Taylor Greene who are out there, but The tone of this, the Supreme Court has ruled, you guys can't do this. End of story. I don't care if it was 5-4 or 9-0. It can't be done. It's over. Mm -hmm. But yet to have the insistence from Oklahoma and South Dakota and Texas that saying, we don't care. And if, you know, at the end of the day, our way goes, well, where does that go? Because if all of a sudden we call out the 10th Mountain Division and send them down there and all of a sudden they start doing something you don't want to do, are you going to order the Texas troops in to start firing on the U.S. Army? Because I can tell you what, that's not going to go well for Texas.
2: No, and uh, this is going to sound like a name drop, and I don't mean it to. It's just for attribution. When I was doing another show, when I was hosting a show, as three, three weeks ago, maybe, mm-hmm. um, and um, one of the callers said uh, Greg Abbott would be a great vice presidential choice for Donald Trump. I thought, sure whatever okay. you know it's open line friday bring whatever you want <laughs> someone from texas then called in and said with all due respect to the guy from north carolina that would be horrible because abbott is crooked and he's he's under investigation there there are now becoming uh, news reports that the reason why there's the border issue is that he's really not trying to keep them out because he's one of his big donors is putting together a building, and that's going to be low-income housing. I mean, they had a much more cogent argument than I, because mm-hmm. I didn't pay attention. That's what you do when you host a radio show. You don't really pay attention. But the bottom line is that Abbott may have some issues that affect his credibility on oh. this topic.
0: <laughs> and I am they, in Paxton, and Paxton, too, yes.
2: Well, I you know that's a different bucket of crazy, but I mean, because because here's Abbott saying I'm the chief executive of my state, I have to protect my state, uh, remember the Alamo, whatever other, you know, how about them cowboys, I mean, whatever else they want to throw out there, but apparently don't scratch too deep because you might not like what you find on that issue. And so again, the it's it sounds great to say, all right, we are going to show the federal government they can't do this to Texas. Because, you know, Texas, God bless Texas, right? It's yeah. own, its own sovereign nation. Yeah, you know, just, <laughs> just back it up 100 yards. Give them an extra yard. Go metric on it. I don't care. And then put up your stupid wall and, and then eliminate all of the drama. Actually affect positive policy change. God forbid Uh, that there be uh, policy change.
0: And we're going to get there, too. I would say this. It would be hilarious to watch Texas watch NASA and all the military bases leave. They'd frantically do it. But can I ask you this about Mexico? Mm -hmm. I mean, mean, obviously we have NAFTA, but if they are feeling like there is a threat to Mexican citizens from the Texas border— couldn't Mexico just shut down every border crossing in Texas tomorrow? Leave them open in uh, New Mexico, Arizona, California. They're all open over there. But shut down everyone, and by the end of the day today, they'd have that razor wire up, and all those Texas troops would be back home. Am I crazy about that?
2: You're crazy about a lot of things. But uh, now, here's one thing with the trade. It's now the USMCA, right, the the successor to NAFTA. Now, the only reason I make that point is not to poke at the host, but because this is – the six-year review of the deal. Okay, so literally all sides are coming to the table to review the terms of the agreement. Is this the time you want to anger Mexico? We're already Mm -hmm. having trade fights with Canada on every issue. Everybody thought Mexico would be the issue. Well, it's not. So fine. If Mexico says uh, we're going to block Americans from coming into Mexico... Uh, Go get your tequila somewhere else or whatever. I don't know. Does that hurt Mexico from tourism? I don't know. But again, what's Mexico doing? Well, there is something they could do (laughs) to your point.
0: I don't think the Mexican tourism would affect because most people, I think, are flying down to the destination. I mean, Tijuana, maybe, but that's California. That's not the problem here. I honestly right, think right. if all these, if all those border crossings, if Mexico shut down all the border crossings into Texas tomorrow, by the end of the day, he'd have so many calls from major corporate leaders of the world, basically Good saying, game. "You stop this now, or we are done with Texas." And I think that they themselves would. I think we made our point, and that the standard thing when they basically get shown up.
2: Oh, oh, Matt's doing impressions again today. This is great. Again, get give me the J.R. Ewing type impression. Nah,
0: well, no, yeah, I can't. I, <laughs> I need some barbecue to do that. You bring up policy points. Okay. The Republicans are getting driven off the cliff again by Trump. They actually had an election year win here because it does sound like Biden had made a lot of concessions on the border to make sure he got that funding for Ukraine primarily. And so Mm -hmm. he was willing to do it. He saw the writing on the wall. Lankford's out there negotiating like a pro kind of on this thing. It sounded like the Republicans were getting a deal. Most of the Senate Republicans are like, we're never going to get a deal like this again. And it's being torpedoed because Trump doesn't want to get it again. Uh, It doesn't want uh, Biden to have a win here. We got about a minute. So your thoughts. But,
2: but, you know, I think Trump's irrelevant on that issue because, for example, look at the Oklahoma GOP. They censured their own senator over this. And this is the part that's maddening. No one has seen the text of the bill. There, we, you got the president saying it's tremendous. You got the Speaker of the House saying it's awful. You got everybody in between. No one has seen language. Shut up until there's something on paper.
0: When Langford came on out and said, this is a really good bill. Langford is not a moderate Republican. He is a no, conservative no. and he's been one of these border guys. So the fact that he was saying, no, this is a really good deal. And the Republicans, under, because of Trump, are, are kind of torpedoing it in the House. I, You know, it is kind of interesting to see there. I'll tell you what, let's talk more about this. I also want to get into the the the, the debacle. That's the uh, uh, Joe Biden impeachment inquiry. Jeff Stein joining us today on a Wednesday, Nine five two We'll take a break. Come on back. It is the Matt McNeil Show. Just take your breath
1: away. I don't mind if not much to say. Sometimes the silence
0: It is the Matt McNeil Show on your Wednesday. Jeff Stein, kind enough to join us here. By the way, uh, your comments about Abbott and what we don't know in the rest of the country. I've had two people say, oh, Abbott's as crooked as the day is long, and they... (laughs) It's it's funny, some of the stuff... I mean, we all know Paxton's dirty, but I didn't realize how bad Abbott was.
2: Well, and, you know, this... For the folks listening in Chicago, you didn't hear what was going on in the break in in Minnesota, but if it were not for the AM 950 calendar, may I point out, yes. I would not have known that yesterday was FDR's birthday. Yes. So thank you for that. Uh-huh. And you know what I'm the the what I get to do last thing out the door before I go home tonight, turn the page from January to February in my Matt McNeil commemorative AM 950 calendar. Ah, so thank you for
0: that. My That's pl- the
2: highlight of my day, there- <laughs> which shows you how my day has gone.
0: Well, we'll get cable down to Iowa before too long.
2: All right, so sorry. Sorry. <laughs> Yeah, uh, look, when you're done with that set-top box, fire it on down here, <laughs> would you, buddy? That'd be great. Roku, you say.
0: Anyway, uh the I have Roku.
2: <laughs> what was what, wrong with that? All right. All
0: right. Speaking of <laughs> misguided. Uh, let's go to the House yes. impeachment of. I mean, we could go into uh, the, I, the the whole Senate attacking Zuckerberg and stuff today on the the online stuff. I mean, that was just fresh fodder. And as as Durbin and, said, and by the
2: way, just just on that point. Yeah, sure. So let's let's, Mr. Zuckerberg, is there anything you'd like to say to these families that have been so adversely affected? And he gets up, puts on the choir boy face, which is the one he's born with, and apologizes and says he'll do better. Jeez, talk about stealing the thunder out of the room. Yeah, I mean, sorry, but it's like, is there anything you'd like to say? Well, yes, I have prepared a few words, and they're sincere, and you're going to look like an idiot yeah. trying to think of words that I can say on the radio.
0: The, the, the thing which is funny is that they really did not go after Elon Musk or Twitter at all, and I'm sorry, the biggest cesspool online right now, between Reddit, it's Reddit or or Twitter, and neither of them, it was TikTok and Facebook that took the brunt of the force today, but mm-hmm. uh, that that's there. Uh, another witness comes through on this supposed impeachment inquiry into Joe Biden. Basically, it was his personal accountant. Yeah. He, he says, no, there was nothing. There's nothing here. There is nothing here. And when I go back to the point about when this election happens, if Trump loses, that there's no Trump supporter is going to believe it. We had Nancy Mace come on out and say, basically, oh, well, he said there was nothing on, going on, but we know what was really going on. And that's <laughs> okay. what she said on a news. And, and, and they're like, no one follows. Like, well, what is going on? Because he said nothing. It it's It's all about just pandering, they, they just desperately want to get an impeachment on Biden. They know it would get thrown out of the Senate immediately, but that's not the point. The point is to basically impeach him just so Donald Trump feels better about himself.
2: I'm not, well, maybe, I'm not really sure their goal is to actually ever take it to an impeachment vote. I think the goal is just to muddy the waters, just to drag things through the mud. Uh, you know, here's the thing. The number one thing that they taught us in law school was never put anybody on the stand unless you know what they're going to say. And that's why you do these depositions ahead of time, et cetera, et cetera. So you put a guy up there who you knew was going to say that. Yeah. And if you didn't know he was going to say that, then why didn't you find that out ahead of time in, the, in court? We would have called a pretrial discovery. Because you just look like a bonehead. Now, they've got all sorts of bank records, et cetera. If you can make a compelling case with that kind of evidence, okay, go make the compelling case. And if you want to just muddy the water, fine. But I don't think any of those people want President Kamala Harris. So what's the end game? I say the end game is just to make Biden look bad.
0: Well, and here, you know the numbers better than anyone else I know. I mean, what's what's the vote total advantage for the Republicans as of today? Is it one, one. vote? It's one vote. One. There, there are plus four and five Biden districts where Republicans are representing those districts who there is not a chance in hell they're going to vote to impeach the guy unless you've got some serious evidence because they know that they will basically not survive if that's what happens. And, and so, I mean, even if there was an intent, I, I mean, if they did get it up for a vote, I think they already know that too. There's just not enough votes because I mean, over under, what do you think? How many Republicans, especially in borderline districts or plus D districts would say, no, I'm not going to, I'm not going to do this. Cause I, that would just kill my political career.
2: You will lose at least 10, if not 15 Republican votes. Yeah. Okay. Because see what yeah. they'll do is. the the ones who do crossover will say, well, there's enough financial shenanigans and he's derelict on the border. And, you know, Afghanistan was terrible. I mean, they're going to bring in all this stuff and say, well, no, the articles don't say that, but we know there's much more going, you know, that's the way you'll justify it. But uh, no, because, and then they can vote no by saying, well, it's never going to go anywhere. So why waste our time? Mm -hmm. And that's how they slither out of that.
0: Well, and and I and I know that they're they want to get his Homeland security uh, director he's mm-hmm. he, I, I, I I think mycus is going to get you know impeached although once again you're For looking what? at it, it well and, and you're looking at what uh you know it still is you need every vote to go along with it and it's going to be interesting because once again this border stuff it plays well in these deep red areas it doesn't play as well in the bluer areas. And so no, maybe it doesn't but happen.
2: you've got the president himself now saying, we've got a problem. I'd shut the border down tomorrow. It's like, okay, so now the border's a problem. Hasn't been a problem before. And when I said, so what if you impeach him? It's the administration policy. That's not going to change. Biden's not going to say, you know, if, if not for that Mayorkas guy, I'd have been doing things much differently. So what is the point of the exercise? Zero, because it takes attention away from actually passing laws that, I don't know, might help.
0: Well, and can I say this about Biden? I think Biden's playing this up because he knows Trump is out there saying, everyone, let this go. We, We don't want the border issue. You want this. You want to get after this guy. And the reality is he's now, hey, I'm willing to do what, what the Republicans want me to do. I'm willing to do this. It does not help the Republicans that much to have to sit there and say, well, it's not good enough when he's basically agreeing to everything that they want to do. I think he's playing it up for the crowd at this point.
2: I think Brett should start a countdown clock in the corner of the number of impressions you do. We're now at two in this last 25 minutes. This is, I can hardly wait for hour two in Minnesota.
0: <laughs> well, I, I, I got a great Harpo Marx uh, that I, I'll share with you later <laughs> books available wherever you find books of course totallyiowa.com Jeff I'll post the Iowa politics report thank you very much Chicago have a good one Minneapolis St. Paul hour two up next hour number two of the show here on your Wednesday Matt Brett last day of January I am wearing shorts and sandals today on January 31st. Now, I had Brett. Have you gone outside today at all?
1: Uh, not really today. No. Uh,
0: it's actually nice. It actually, it's it's a great late March day. I mean, it's two months off. of... I, you know, I had a guy call up or you know, comment on Facebook. He goes, what are you talking about? This was this 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 just like this not long ago. It's like, okay, we've had a few warmer days. And don't get me wrong. If you pay attention to Sven Sungard over Bring Me The News, he basically points out the fact that this is, you know, we've been having these spikes. But the problem this year is that it's been consistent. I mean, the anomalies have been these colder temperatures. And it should be reminded in earlier January when we had that cold stretch, that still was not where we should have been. We should have actually been colder. It was still too warm for that time of year, even with all that cold air. And now it's 40s. We're not, I think the first day, or I saw this this morning, the first day that we're forecast with a high temperature below freezing is Valentine's Day. So January is going to end up way above normal. February is going to end up way above normal. Absolutely guaranteed. The, I don't know, you were not here, Brett. Uh, I, w- I don't think I was here. If I'm not mistaken, I was, this is in a past radio life. I was doing a show and I talked about how, and I think this was in 2007. It was fall of 2007. And I was talking about having to mow in November and how I've never had to do that in Minnesota is that it was, that was the first time I had to do that. Not only now, and that was the first time that was the first time I had to mow in November. And it was like 2007. Now I'm, I'm mowing well into almost Thanksgiving, if not even close to December, I can mow my yard because the grass is still growing. This is, uh, this is happening at such an astonishingly fast rate. It is absolutely disturbing how quickly this is happening. And I made, like I said, I, I have a friend of mine named Andy and I said to him a few years back, I said, we're going to have a year before too long, a winter without snow. And we're pretty much already there right now. And granted we're in a, what's called a super El Nino and this is happened. But the next time this happens, we, next time we have a super El Nino, whenever that happens again, I mean, it's, it's going to blast the records apart again. It just doesn't, it's, it's, it's hard to be around here because we are a winter kind of community in in Minnesota in winter. We like ice fishing. We like skating, skiing, sledding. We like getting outside and doing these things. I've got a very nice pair of Sorrel boots. I had to buy, had my old Sorrels. I bought them up at L and up in Virginia. Uh, if you ever been to an LM? Uh, I have not, no. Oh, it's, it's it's like a tractor supply only for Canadians. You know, it's, 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 if you want an ice fishing suit that will keep you warm when it's minus 40 on the ice, you go to LM. They've got the stuff up there. I have a pair of Sorrells I bought up there, um, which were dirt cheap when I bought them. They lasted 20-some years. They finally I was out at the kite festival, and I'm walking around on the ice on the kite festival, which was not easy. That ice was slippery as all get-go. I'm out on the kite festival. I'm walking around. All of a sudden, my foot's wet. Oh, no. Not that. I could tell the Sorrells had been compromised. So I had to buy some new boots. Will I ever wear them? I don't know. I, got a, I went and bought a new winter jacket two years ago that it was a nicer jacket for really cold temperatures because my wife got tired of my Minnesota Wild jacket that's got a rip in it. My dad gave that to me. I'm not going to ever give that up. But it was, I, 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 had, I got this great jacket. I've worn it like four times. It's too, it's too warm. It's not getting cold enough for me to wear the damn thing. When I do wear it, I'm sweating like a pig.
1: I wonder at some point, too, if we're going to have a time where trees are blooming in February.
0: I got, I got buds starting to pop up in my front garden, man. Oh, no okay. kidding. Wow. Did you see the caterpillar in the parking lot yesterday? I'm dead
1: serious. I took a picture of it. I took a picture of it. I couldn't believe yeah, you could it. that on the camera if you got it.
0: I got it the right here. Yeah. It's uh, da, 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 da. right there. There it is. On the camera. You see it there? Freaking caterpillar walking around the parking lot yesterday. Wasn't working too fast. I'm gonna be honest with you. It seems like he was lost. <laughs> but, but still, I'm like, you got to be kidding me. I'm surprised we haven't had our first fly yet. Or of course, we're on the palatial banks of uh, Bryant Lake here at the at the palatial radio broadcasting complex. I'm surprised
1: we haven't had box elder bugs already. Yeah, those are coming. <laughs> They're gonna be coming out soon. Who wants March mosquitoes?
0: Oh, oh. yum. Mm. March, February, man. <laughs> I think this, if it stays warm enough at night, would I be surprised if I started seeing some insects before Valentine's Day? That's a spirit breaker. That's a spirit breaker right there. But I guarantee you, no matter what, Republicans will do nothing to try to stop this because, you know, reasons. 952-946-6205. Uh, let me mention something. Uh, uh Stein and I were talking about the um the con the 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 testimony that happened on Capitol Hill with the Um, with the uh, uh, tech companies here. And this is one of the reasons why the markets are down today is because they kind of got yelled at a lot. Although nothing has been done uh, after a series of tense exchanges between senators and tech executives that clocked in just under four hours, Senate Judiciary Committee a hearing on chi- online child safety came to an end on Wednesday with no clear resolutions. In sight, the audience included several family members of victims who cheered as senators berated in executives and listed, uh, uh, listened stoically as Zuckerberg, a chief executive, met to address the crowd directly. Uh, some of the key takeaways. I mean, if you're going to bring in people to start cheering like it's a freaking Super Bowl, what are you doing? Come on. Uh, One of the more combative tech hearings in recent years, senators from both parties refused to back down and pressured chief executives from Meta, X, TikTok, Discord, Snap to take responsibility and apologize for their company's role in harming children. At times, the senators shouted and talked over executives, drawing applause from those in the room. Senator Lindsey Graham of South Carolina said the companies had blood on their hands. Uh, after being pressured by Senator Josh Hawley, Republican of Missouri, to apologize for the harm caused by Meta, Zuckerberg stood from his chair, turned around and addressed the address of families of the audience who had suffered under uh, abuse under Meta's apps. I'm sorry for everything you've had to go, been through, Zuckerberg said. No one should go through the things that your families have suffered. He said that his company is working, so no one else would have to do that, so not to address Meta's role. Though executives at Meta, Snap, Discord, X, and TikTok were all called to the hearing, the latter three were subpoenaed to testify. Uh, It was Mr. Zuckerberg and Shao Chu, TikTok's uh, chief executive, who spent most of the time in the spotlight. Senators grilled the two men on the number of abuse incidents across their platform, which is, by the way, kind of a joke, because by far, by far, by far, the biggest cesspool online is Twitter. X is by far the biggest cesspool on Twitter, hands down, not even close. Um, bo- uh, Evan Sp- uh, Spilling, a chief executive of Snap and Linda Yaccarino who leads X both agreed to support the Kids Online Safety Act. The proposed law would require online services like social media networks, video game sites and messaging apps to take reasonable measures to prevent harm including online bullying, harassment, sexual exploitation, anorexia, self-harm and predatory marketing to minors who use their platforms. Zuckerberg, Mr. Chu and Jason Citron, the chief executive of Discord did not pledge their support with some arguing that it was directionally helpful, but contained some overly broad restrictions that may come into conflict with free speech issues. Okay. But it's not free speech. You're a company. It's, it's, it's not the town square. You're a private company. And that is part of the problem that you guys don't want to accept. You want to say that you're the town square because you want to turn yourself into something far more noble than you really are. You're, you are a cesspool. That wants, to, that wants to be, you know, portrayed as a founding father, and you're not. And, you know, the, the, the town square is still open. It requires people to go outside, walk down the street, go on out there and, and talk to people um, and, and let your voice be heard. But, you see, the problem is, is that this, this online things, it's not the town square, but it gives people the feeling like it is. You're a private company. We are a private company. I can't let just anyone come into this radio station and start screaming into a microphone anything they want to. That's not freedom of speech. We have restrictions. The FCC tells us we can't do certain things on this air. Those F. Oh, I'm sorry. I can't say that. Fellas. Anyway, (laughs) we have restrictions. We're the public airwaves. We are. We're the public airwaves. But we have restrictions to act as if online chat groups where basically people are sending crotch shots, unsolicited to people is somehow ye old town square. I don't remember Jefferson dropping. and trial. Well, he did actually, he was, you know, he, he had a lot of issues. Um, we'll go with, how about we we'll go with Monroe? Did he do anything? Eh, probably. Anyway, there's probably, there was probably at least one decent guy that, you know, needless to say, they didn't do it in the pound square but that's what you call that's what you call twitter when people in their DMs start getting crotch shots you say well it's the public square well if it was the public square that guy would be arrested Uh, i'll come back to this in a second let me get to julie here she wanted to chime in uh julie from minneapolis on the warm weather and uh coat donations welcome in julie
4: yeah you know I'm trying to advertise the city that I've lived in all my life, the city that I love, Minneapolis. Come to Minneapolis. It's not that cold anymore. You know, don't we all want a better Vikings team? Haven't I heard for like four decades that really great players don't want to come to Minnesota? Hey, it's not that cold anymore. So let's look at the glass half full. I mean, that's, that's, you know, I know it's kind of cynical, the way to promote Minnesota, but. You know, uh, let's let, let's just kind of think about that, because it's, it's not that cold anymore. But to get serious for a minute, I want people to know about coat donations. Um, all the Hennepin County libraries are collecting coats, also the sheriff's office. And you can donate, you know, that three-foot-thick parka with a hood that you've got that maybe you only wore for one season, and somebody will be happy to grab it. And I got a great coat mat a few weeks ago, and I only am wearing it. You know that one week that we had 26 below wind chill. I don't know what to do with it now. Uh, well, you but- should,
0: you pr- you should <laughs> Julie. You probably should. You should probably hold on to the coat, and thank you very much. You probably should hold on to the coat because it's probably going to get cold at some point. Making a coat donation is always a good thing. There are a lot of people who need coats. If you do have extra coats, the Hennepin County Library, Sheriff's Departments, all I have drives going on, just call your local office and find out where the drop-off point is. Please do help out if you can on that. As far as you know, this, okay, the Green Bay Packers won Super Bowls. Have you been to that godforsaken cesspool of a city? I mean, it's Green Bay. I mean, it's it's a salute to drunken test, tri- test drunks, test <laughs> driving dummies out there. That's what it is covered in cheese sauce okay <laughs> i mean nothing i like better than a three day weekend of hearing let me tell you about who the favorite right guard of all time of the green bay pack really really okay i'm gonna go i'm gonna go back home because i'm not a packer fan and yet they play outside buffalo plays outside uh yeah i it's i i think that that's a misnomer I know you're tongue-in cheek on that but Back to the story about the testimony today from the tech companies. Lawmakers pressed uh, Mr. Chu about TikTok's ties to Chinese government thanks to its Chinese ownership at ByteDance. Mr. Chu, who was born in Singapore and still lives there with three children, was asked whether he had a Chinese passport and had applied for a Chinese citizenship. He had not, though he lived in Beijing for five years. He was also questioned about the progress of TikTok's multibillion-dollar plan for walling off sensitive U.S. user data. Um, the no bills have passed despite years of railing against big tech come in public. No meaningful legislation has moved its way through Congress to be signed into law. Now, I'm going to be honest, social media is an absolute cesspool for the most part. I will say this, and and I've been very vocal because I'm I don't post that much on Twitter anymore because when Elon Musk. Brought it back. It became a cesspool of of anti-Semitic, you know, bigotry, racism, you know, clearly inappropriate comments and just inappropriate people. And it had been bad, but it, it it really is horrible. Facebook is probably the second worst that I've been to, and that's been less than stellar, but it still is one as bad as Twitter is the other three that I'm on regularly posting, which are blue sky mastodon and on threads all seem pretty good. I've not, as a matter of fact, I haven't had any, I've only had one person on mastodon, I think I blocked and I had to block one person on threads, but that is over like eight months, nine months. And so, yeah, you know, I, I would just say this, you know it, it's it's hard because this is how kids are growing up today. And even in a world where people tried to limit the amount of online interaction children had, when the pandemic happened, that changed the narrative of a lot of things. And yeah it, it, it it's amazing to me how many parents, you know, just, they they don't really monitor this stuff. And some, in some cases, the parents are working three jobs. It's too hard. They can't, they just, they have to hope that their kids are making good choices. I get that. I understand that's harder, but you know, you, you, your kids should be able to hold a conversation with someone else. They should be able to, to, you know, put the phone down for. 30 minutes, 45 minutes without having to try to check things. I will make a a great suggestion for someone. And this is not my kids never were really insistent on surfing the web when, when at all times they generally, they, they don't necessarily. When we were out at the national parks of the West where you couldn't get cell service from most of them, it, it, it was, it was nice to see, you know, all the phones get away. And for, for six hours, seven hours, we're just hiking through the wilderness. So national parks, They got, there's a, there's a really quality underlying element to them. Peace and quiet. No, social media is not the town square. It's not. You're a private company. You regulate, you know, not only do you regulate conversations in the real world and online, but what online does is with this false notion of it is the town square, They allow things that the town square would never tolerate to go through because they scream slippery slope. I am one of these people that thinks you need to rein these people in and freedom of speech does not mean freedom from consequences and social media thinks that that's exactly what it means. Freedom from consequences. And it's only when they're pressured that all of a sudden they put on their sincere faces and try to make it seem like they're decent human beings when they're really not. 952 946 6205. 952 946 6205. Let's take a break. Come on back, Dave. I'll get your call here when we do return. It's the Matt McNeil Show on AM 950. <laughs> 950 the progressive voice of Minnesota it's the Matt McNeil show Dynamo Dave from Duluth is uh been kind enough to hold welcome on in Dave
3: oh thank you for my call miraculous Matt can you okay
1: sure sure
3: oh, <laughs> hey, um, uh, two things one well three actually but I'll be real quick one uh unfortunately it's the 25th anniversary of that fifteen one Vikings team led by Randy Ramos that superstar that uh, lost, uh, you know, that last field goal attempt by Gary Anderson in the NFC Championship. I need to bring up bad memories. But anyway, hey, I wanted to, uh, you know, if we don't have a federal education system, but I was thinking um, there's a, a, a movie. It's a it's a very inspirational documentary. It's only about an hour long, and it's about how uh, they helped these students who were going to be expelled from uh, Minneapolis North or told they weren't going to graduate. Uh, the basketball team, and this is about six or seven years ago. The team was one of the worst. In the, I mean, they were they had losing record year after year for a while there, and then uh, they teamed up with continuum center. Jane Barris taught them a skill set, and uh, well, and
0: and and Dave, and, and, and Dave, I want to jump on in here. Uh, sounds interesting. There, I'm, I'm. I've got a lot of other things I want to try to get to today. Uh, I appreciate the phone call. uh uh, on that and I think that you know you you, when you talk about schools it is important I think to um you know you you, you, I there are a lot of systemic wrongs that need to be fixed and that is for sure and I think they are they're trying whether or not they'll be able to succeed remains to be seen I, I wanted to get into this Ilhan Omar story because If you're like me, all of a sudden, primarily Twitter, all of a sudden exploded with, "Illinois Hate hates America, the standard of the things here. Uh, Republicans led by Representative Tom Emmer, also from Minnesota, have criticized the speech that she gave uh, to commemorate recent elections in Somalia. Uh, to a groom full of uh, Somali supporters in Minneapolis last week. And with Emmer calling it anti-American on a post on X, Omar said the translation accompanying the video on the speech went viral on the social media site formerly called Twitter was completely off. So basically what she said was not what the interpreter said, but as opposed to finding out what actually she did say, Tom Emmer basically ran down and it's like, she needs to be run out of the country. Now this is probably the same Tom Emmer who it's like, let me get to Norway days in my local community where they speak Norwegian isn't Norway days great. We all love Norway. And hasn't the Republican party basically said Israel uber alles? Now, Hey, I support Israel. I do, but I don't, you know, if you're going to get upset with, with other people, you know, praising other countries, then maybe you should look in the mirror because you guys have basically been Israel over the United States. And that has been kind of your policy. So now that being said, she didn't say that, and I want to give the Star Tribune credit here because the Star Tribune basically um, went out there and found they have someone who is uh, at the Star Tribune um, that is is proficient in uh, proficient in Somali. A Star Tribune reporter who speaks Somali listened to the speech and reviewed it, the transcript and found it matched Omar's actual comment, comments, it said. Here is the actual thing she said. My answer was the U.S. government will do what we will tell the U.S. government to do um, in regards to do. Uh, we as Somalis sh- should have that competence in ourselves. We live in this country. We pay taxes in this country. It is a country that one of your own sits in Congress. As long as I'm in Congress, no one will make Somalia's, take Somalia's sea And the United States will not support other people to rob us. Rest assured, Minnesotans, the woman who you sent to Congress is aware of you and has the same interests as you. So at no point does she say Somali uber She doesn't. Somali uber Um, The claim to be made in coverage of the speech some local national outlets contending that Omar pledged her allegiance first to Somalia when she said she'll protect their interests in Congress. That's not what she said. So basically you have Tom Emmer, and let's make make sure we, we understand this. This has a lot to do with Emmer and the rest of these Republicans because it was black people she was talking to. Okay, let's just be honest about it. This is, it's, it's their kind of nirvana. Oh, Ilhan Omar talking to black people? Somalis? Oh, We'll just go with the completely made up translation of what she said and accuse her of saying something she didn't say, because the only thing that matters to the people that support Tom Emmer is that he's railing against black people. End of story, end of discussion. This is why they're all freaking out because these are the same people who can't wait to get to Finland days in their community talk about, oh, we got all this great heritage here with Norway, but she's out there talking about how she's going to stand up and make sure that Somalia has a voice in in the Congress, which she has been elected to, which is not pledging allegiance to Somalia. It's basically the same exact thing as when Republicans say we need to give massive aid to Israel. That's what you need to do. We need to let Israel do what they want to do. We need to let Defend Ukraine. The Democrats say a lot of that. A lot of Republicans say that too. There's nothing wrong with taking a foreign policy stance. But because it's black people, that's why Tom Emmer's upset. Or tell me why, Tom. Then you can tell me why you intentionally took a false interpretation just so you can insult the Congresswoman. I'm not waiting for your worthless, parched, albino Edgar winter caboose to basically come and try to clarify yourself because you already know you're wrong. It's a light like uh, Alina Haba. Did you see that thing that she did? Apparently she took a New York post story that said the, one of the lawyers for E. Jean Carroll and the judge in the case were in a mentorship program together that he, the judge was a mentor to this lawyer from the post she then basically put it, went on a tirade about how they both should be disbarred, they both should be thrown out of the courts. Well, it was a made-up story that the New York Post ran with. It was made up. And when basically they, she could not change her tone fast enough. Oh, well, I, I was just bringing up that there was a question here. You've answered it. I'm good enough. Because she was about to get sanctioned for accusing them of something they didn't do. Tom Emmer doesn't even have that kind of standard. Because once again, and I want to make sure we understand this, this isn't my opinion. The Star Tribune had a Somali interpreter listen to the speech and they verified it wasn't her swearing allegiance to Somalia over the United States as the Republicans say that it is. It's her story, her interpretation was the correct one, but God forbid when black people are involved, will Republicans show any level of decorum and actually fact check the criticism they're about to level. And Republicans, you want to get mad at me? Clean up your own freaking house, man. I can call you out because you make it so damn easy, you jackasses. 952-946-6205, 952-946-6205. Oh, I got a lot of police blotter to get to coming up after the break. It's the Matt McNeil Show right here on AM 950. I'm
4: accepted. You 950, the progressive voice of Minnesota. It's the I'm Matt the show. You, you know,
0: <laughs> it's so on brand though for Republicans. to not, not go on out there and double check their criticism is valid. But you see, is you know th- this? They know this. Tom Emmer knows this. Anyone else that's criticizing him knows this. They know it doesn't matter. As a matter of fact, they might even know that she didn't say what they're saying. She said because all it is is about.
1: Did you hear what she did? She did.
0: Yeah, yeah. And it's it's basically that, and it's it's this mentality that exists that that once again, and this is going to be the big. We need to kick Trump's ass badly in November, but at the same time, we also need to know what comes next, which is a belligerent bunch of jackasses who no matter the amount of evidence, no matter what, are going to sit there and like, well, you got all this proof that it was a legal election, but we know what really happened and where that's going to outlet because I have a bad feeling that's going to outlet in a very bad way. Now, that all being said, we've got some crimers, uh, cri- crimers crime stories uh, to, to, to go through here. And yeah, one or two of them are just gems. But I'm going to start off with one here that is, uh, I got to tell you the truth. I kind of thought this might be where this was going anyway. So we know the longtime family doctor, she was walking, um, near Lake Mille Lacs last fall, she got hit by a hit and run driver and she was killed. And we have been trying to track down who exactly was the person driving the vehicle. State investigators have now seized an SUV and questioned the owner of the vehicle they suspected was involved in the hit-and-run crash that killed a longtime family doctor as she walked her dogs near Lake Malax last fall. The seizure of a gray 2022 Tesla X is among several pieces of evidence detailed in a court document filed Tuesday afternoon. That points to an Adina man as the person who hit 56 year old Kathy Ann Donovan around sunset on November 13th, along highway 169 northbound near the Southern shore of Lake Mille Lacs. Uh, I'm going to guess the conservative media in this town is suddenly for some mysterious reason, not interested in this story anymore. Hmm. I wonder why the right wing guys would not want to report on this. Hmm. Mille Lacs County Sheriff Kyle Burton said Wednesday that the facts are significant as they spelled out in his search warrant affidavit filed in court by the State Bureau of Criminal Apprehension. I think for sure we've established probable cause pointing to the 42-year-old man as the driver of the Tesla X, Burton told the Star Tribune probable cause is a legal term that justifies charges being fu- filed. Charges against the man have yet to be filed. <laughs> <laughs> <Fun>. <laughs> Of course not. Tell me your suspect is white without telling me your suspect is white. Because I can tell you right now, if they were black and they were native American, they'd already be in jail right now and probably pled out to a lifetime certain term. I just, just if found guilty, I'll put that in there. Um, and so once again, back to the, 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 the twist, no one saw coming here. The uh, charges against the man have yet to be filed. The Star Tribune generally doesn't identify suspects before they're charged. <sighs> All right, lots of we we go out of our way to make sure some people, are, you know, we've got standards here. But, no, um, among the evidence noted in the affidavit, the man's cell phone was in the area about the time Donovan was hit. A windshield wiper was on the pavement near Donovan's body, and the vehicle appears to be similar to when captured on separate surveillance video footage along the stretch of the highway around the time of the crash. The affidavit cleared the way last week for the BCA to seize the SUV, the man's phone, and the Tesla's card-shaped key. Investigators have since collected hair off of the SUV in three locations, the driver's side mirror underneath near the front tire and the front passenger tire. Yikes. A determination of the hair's origin is pending completion, Of the BCA's lab work, also pending is unearthing the data from the man's cell phone and the Tesla's computer in order to confirm the vehicle's location and whether the driver was using the phone at the time of the crash. Question for you, Brett, off the top of your head—I don't know if you know this or not—the will the Tesla and I don't know or any vehicle would it dictate in its file whether it was going at a certain rate and then suddenly stopped? You know, I mean, well, some of them might acknowledge they hit something. But if you could sit, you know, pinpoint, it's like you were going 65 miles an hour and then all of a sudden you stopped, you were doing five miles an hour for about two minutes and then you took off again. What happened?
1: Would Do you think it would tell that in in the in the, the black the boxes in the car technology now? Technology might be available to do that. I would think it could.
0: Don't need a lot of computer space for that anymore, do you? It's not like you didn't have to have a laptop. You have one or two microchips in the car. They'll tell you everything about it. I don't know. I don't know what the, what that means, but, you know... <laughs> Elon Musk has been spending money on those, something on those vehicles because they sure can't drive through snow for anything. So, um, the man acknowledged during questioning by state investigators on January 9th that he was likely driving alone to his cabin in Cross Lake. On the day Donovan was struck, but he denied hitting her and leaving the scene. One investigator looked at the Tesla in the man's garage, saw no front end damage. And the man said the vehicle has not had any body damage, nor has he been made any insurance claims. Well, did it get an, a windshield wiper replaced on it? Just asking. The man also said he would check his Tesla for any video that might have been saved from the day of the crash. And will call if he does. The man did not call back the court filing red. Really? One day after an investigator saw the Tesla, a BCA agent contacted the dealership and learned that any light front end or windshield damage could be fixed within a few weeks. The agent also was told that Teslas have a significant higher ability to withstand body damage than other vehicles, and that it's difficult to dent or do body damage to them. The affidavit read. Hmm. Apart from the spelling out of the evidence and the BCA, it was in hand so far. The affidavit also disclosed the two women told investigators they saw Donovan's body on the hood of a smaller SUV heading north on the highway with her head near the windshield. Yikes. One of the women added that the vehicle she saw was consistent in appearance with the one in the surveillance image that investigators included in the news release about the crash. The driver who came upon the scene moments after the crash said she swerved to avoid hitting Donovan in the road, failing to hit one of her dogs. In mid-December, family members joined the State Patrol and the Sheriff's Office to announce a $10,000 reward in hopes the money will lead to solving the case. I cannot get my head around how anybody can drive off and leave someone in the road to die, Read a statement from George Donovan, the doctor's father, according to a news conference publicizing the reward. I know Kathy cannot be replaced, but knowing why might help. Well, I think we know why. I mean, if if these allegations are true and this individual is found guilty in a court of law or, hey, I don't know, arrested, I don't know. You <laughs> get pesky with the details, I know we have a very different standard for wealthy white people when it comes to laws as opposed to everyone else we have very different standards very different standards and i would make an argument that if you were poor uh, middle class a minority of any kind and they had this much evidence against you in this case once again, you get your day in court. You get to try to prove your innocence. But if they had this, any, any kind of evidence like this, well, I'm going to guess that they, that person would already be arrested. But, Dinah, you say? <laughs> of course. 952-946-6205. 952-946-6205. Oh, yeah, we'll be following that one. So this was an interesting one, too. And I think this one actually has a little bit more of a societal element, too, that we need to talk about. A man was shocked by a taser fired by a deputy during an eviction attempt in Wilmer on Monday. That man now has died, authorities have confirmed. The BCA, the Minnesota, has identified the deceased as 75-year-old Michael James Yanachik, whose cause of death is now the subject of an autopsy by the medical examiner. Yanachik was allegedly in possession of a kitchen knife, was Walking towards the two deputies and two police officers who'd been sent to the apartment to perform a court ordered eviction on Monday morning. Per the BCA, Yanichik didn't respond when police arrived at the door. After an hour, the apartment manager pried open the door with officers then entering. Yanichik was in his bedroom with a knife when he began approaching the officers, with Kandy Ohio County Deputy Riley Campson using his taser, striking Yanichik. Life-saving aid was provided at the scene before the 75-year-old was taken to the hospital where he was later pronounced dead. The knife was recovered at the scene with the BCA statement containing the following line. At no time did anyone involved in the incident discharge a firearm. Once again, tell me the suspect was white without telling me the suspect was white. Oh, no one fired a gun. Oh, okay. Hey, hey, you want to get mad at me? Uh, I've got a few points of evidence to go with it. Both Camson and the other two William uh, William Wilmar police officers were wearing body cameras, the footage from which is being reviewed as part of the BCA investigation. So now, as it has been described, and I don't have any reason to question this as it has been described, if this is the case, the guy was brandishing a wife, a knife rather, brandishing a wife, brandishing a knife. Uh, if he was doing that and they're basically giving him orders and he wasn't doing anything, well, a taser is appropriate in that condition. Unfortunately, at 75 years old, a taser can be fatal. And well, like A taser can be fatal at any age, if you want to know the truth. You've got to be careful with those things. That being said, if as the story is as described, then there's not going to be any charges or anything like that. If it's not as described, and I guarantee you at some point, Someone's going to get this body cam footage, and someone's going to see the case. Well, that could be a different story. Now, that being said, the societal thing: we were evicting a 75-year-old man from his apartment. Now, I know if you're a Republican, you just heard that said. Well, if he wasn't paying his rent, he can go freeze outside. <laughs> I love Jesus. You know, that's 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 Republican. I have talked before about the fact that many years ago I inherited some investments in a in in some rental properties, and it wasn't a lot it was it was just a minor little bit and the people that i I talked with seemed like nice people, but one of the things that just there just seemed to be an ickiness a real ickiness that existed within that whole industry, which caused me and my wife to basically get rid of that stuff. we just didn 't feel comfortable you know having it. And it was hard when you talk to the, these guys, they said, well, I got Marge and her name wasn't Marge, we got Marge and she's an absolute pit bull. She'll take care of these, she'll throw out a hungry family if she needs to. And you're like, this is a good trait and a good quality. I mean, how do you get to a point where we'll treat every human being like they're trash is an admirable quality? How, how did we, how are we that broken as a society, as a people? that we would look at that man 75 years old you're evicting him my guess is there isn't any place for him to go and sure let's hear the violins come on out the landlord was the real victim here no the real victim is the guy who's dead and the landlord i imagine is is ecstatic because the day they evicted him, this guy is dead, so technically he's gone and he doesn't have to worry about anything and throw, I guess, everything in the dumpster and be done with it. But that's the problem. This was... What day was this? This was... Um, it doesn't say what day. On oh, Monday. He is Monday, so that would have been the 29th of January. We were... In this country, in this, in this state, we are evicting, with the help of our law enforcement, taxpayer-funded law enforcement, we are evicting a 75-year-old man on what should have been one of the coldest days of the entire year. Someone said it was 54 degrees up in International Falls today. Unbelievable. 75-year-old man evicted on January 29th. There's a problem here. And we need to kind of address this because I am not that cold and heartless of a freaking human being that doesn't look at that and say, wait a second, we were evicting a 75 year old man on January 29th on what should have been one of the, in Wilmer, what should have been one of the coldest days of the year. And what you're just going to leave him on the curb. We have lost our soul in this country, I think. We have lost our soul and I saw that front and center when, when you'd basically say, Hey, we want to try to save people's lives during the pandemic. And they'd, people looked like, but I want chicken wings. Okay. We all like chicken wings, but did you hear the part about wanting to save all human beings? They're going to die anyway. I don't care. And here is another case. Thanks, Republicans, because I believe, is Wilmer, is that a, 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 you know, a lot of Republicans down in Wilmer area, right?
1: Yeah, Yeah, the geography would seem to Yeah, dictate.
0: Yeah, sure. So. There's, your, there's your, your, your Christian Republican Party on display. 952-946-6205. 952-946-6205. One more story when we do return. We'll take a break. Come back. It's the Matt McNeil Show right here on AM 950.
3: I was twisted, I was
1: over it. Saying I never believed the
3: second
0: 950, the Progressive Voice of Minnesota. It's the Matt McNeil show. Okay, so um uh, final story here. Man is now charged after prosecutors say he attacked and groped a woman in the Minneapolis City Hall bathroom. Yikes. Criminal complaint against 34-year-old Jeffrey Fossum details the incident, the allegations that led to two felony charges and a fifth-degree criminal assault, uh, sexual conduct uh, charges. uh, Those are the two felony charges of fifth-degree criminal sexual conduct. Um, The the victim is a city employee who said the attack occurred in the second-floor bathroom. Court documents say the woman told investigators she'd entered a stall when she heard someone come in, go into the stall next to her, lock the door. When she exited, she was washing her hands. She claimed a man later identified as Jeffrey Fossum allegedly left the other stall and groped her. Investigators watched surveillance videos. They say they saw Fossum in the area where the attack occurred, along with footage from him exiting the building following the alleged assault. At approximately 4 p.m., Fossum was located at the 1700 block of West River Parkway, was taken into custody. The, degree, the defendant has an extensive criminal history, including being charged with fifth degree of sexual conduct in 2023. That was only a little more than a month ago. Threats of violence in 2022, damage to property 2020, 2016. Uh, I will say this. I don't think this guy, they show a picture of him. He does, I, I'm going to guess there's clearly some, well, I mean, you're, commi- you're committing crimes like this. You're clearly, there's a mental compromise that's going on there. Um, City spokesman Casper Hill told Kara uh, Levin that an effort to increase security at City Hall and Municipal Building Commission has secured the upper floor hallways, making them available to employee access cards only. The city of Minneapolis is dedicated to proving, providing a safe workplace environment for its staff. Investigators watched surveillance video. They say that saw Fossum in the area where the attack occurred as well. So, um, yeah, I, this is... I'm going to hope <laughs> Mary Moriarty... I don't know charges this guy appropriately. I would hope I, I, I don't want to hear about brain development. Um, cause I see a, a an individual who's going to, you know, I, I think clearly this guy needs to get some mental help, but he needs to get mental help in a secure facility. All right. I think, can we all agree? I think we all probably can agree. If he is found guilty, get him some mental help in a physically secured bu- building. Maybe at some point he can, you know, correct his life and he can come on out, but that's after he serves some time for the crimes that he's committed. This is not rocket science. This is not, you know, anything hyper aggressive. This is not lock him up or import him to an island and leave him out there to survive, you know, starve or survive, that sort of thing. I'm not saying that. But this guy clearly should not be on the streets. And it's. This seems to be ramping up. If you look at his, you know, he had stalking in 2016. He violated an order of protection in 2016. Then damaged property in 2020. Threats of violence in 2022. Fifth degree criminal sexual conduct a little over a month ago. Now he's done it a second time. Uh, You can see the pattern here, right? I think you have to put a little bit more intent on making sure that this individual can be part of society should be part of society. I I think for at least a while, this person has clearly shown they probably shouldn't be. And I don't want, I mean, we we shouldn't have to get to the worst case scenario before we finally start to act. So I don't know where Mary Moriarty is going to go with this. I would hope it's going to be something with a little more teeth because clearly whatever's been done in the past doesn't seem to be working. Uh, Native Roots Radio, that is coming up next. Have a wonderful last day of January. We'll see you in February tomorrow. Until then, see ya.